This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. You know, it's been exciting. I've been doing this show for about a year and a half now, and we're up to 160 episodes, which is just mind-boggling to me because when I started this and I did the first few shows, I really didn't know, A, if anybody would listen, and there's been people who've listened to all of the episodes all the way along, and then I didn't know if anybody would find the show, and the audience has continued to grow. It has been a fun journey, and one of the things I've decided to do is to go back to some of those early guests and invite them back on, and there's really two reasons I want to do that. One is, I don't know that I was as good of an interviewer when I started this show, so I don't know if the shows were as good. I don't know if I did true honor and and service to the people who were early guests on the show, but the second thing is, for those of you who've listened all the way along, things change in people's lives. Things pop up. There are good things. There are bad things. There's bumps in the road, and I thought it would be fun to go back and talk to some of those early guests. So today, we have, I believe he was guest number two, and that is Mike Dilbeck. And Mike is from Responsibility, A Call for Courage. And I want Mike to kind of tell us a little bit about his business, because not all of you probably listened to episode two, but I'm going to encourage you, go back, because he had a really interesting journey to get him to where he is. But Mike Dilbeck, welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Honored to be here. Congratulations on your, I mean, everything that you've done. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a fun ride, and, and really it's been just a, a, a journey of self-exploration for myself. Yeah, I have probably learned more than anybody. Oh, absolutely. I love it. So, Mike, why don't you tell everybody about your business and what it is you do? Well, I started this uh, journey, and it's had different evolutions to it. And I think uh, back when you interviewed me in uh, session number two, podcast number two, it was even a different evolution of it than what it is now. But um, it's always remained um, some form of empowering people to intervene in problem situations. That's really the the down and dirty of it. You know, you know, we as human beings, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in our personal lives as we walk down the streets of our hometowns or, you know, interact or, around the holiday dinner table with our families or just, you know, go out for a drink or whatever with our friends. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, <clears throat> so sorry. See, as I start talking, I'm going to start doing this. Um, so I apologize to all your listeners in advance for me having to clear my throat or cough. <laughs> That's but, all right. Um, I... Uh, you know, we all see things in our lives and we hear things being said that are inappropriate, they're offensive, they're unhealthy, they're abusive, they're even possibly violent. And we have the thought to ourselves, I should do something here. I should say something to intervene in this situation, whether it be to prevent it from happening or to at least diminish it down to a more manageable level. We all have those thoughts. We all have, you know, our, our moral compass always guides all of us to, in those moments, to do something. Yet, 
you know, for all of your listeners, you know, how many times do we not do what our moral compass is asking us or telling us to do? That's really what I speak to. Uh, I speak to the audience to really allow them to uh, look at the, look in themselves in the mirror and say, what are those moments, whether they've already happened and what will they be coming up in my life, where I have an opportunity to really make a huge difference. And not because I have to, not because anyone's telling me I should, but because my own moral compass and my set of values that I live by and who I'm committed to being tells me that this is who you are. And um, I wrote the Creed for Courage, which is a 20-line, 172-word document that really speaks to who we know that ourselves to be in most situations, but who we really want to be. But are we going to be a demonstration of this in life in particular moments? So That's really what I speak about is showing courage in those moments. So you talk about it. The first thing that sort of comes to my mind, and maybe a lot of the listeners, is that TV show. Is it called What Would You Do? It's on ABC. It's called What Would You Do? It's exactly what I'm speaking about. So it's hard. I mean, I watch that show and yeah. I think, God, what would yeah. I do? I mean, there's certain times where I think I would probably bury my head in the sand and pretend it wasn't going on. So this is difficult for people, right? Well, I think, you know, it's very noble that you just said what you said because um, – I think we want to think that we would. Uh, or I, I, Well, no, it's very vulnerable that you just said what you said because most people I talk to, you know, when I ask them what would you do, they're like, oh, I would jump in. I would intervene. Oh, my God, I'd kick his butt or, you know, whatever it might be that, you know, we want to believe that we would do what is right. We just want to believe that about ourselves. We want to feel good. We want to know ourselves as someone who is that powerful. But when you're in that moment, the, the reality of that moment, you know, we don't know that we would. We don't know if fear is going to win or what we're committed to is going to win in that moment. And, you know, again, what, how vulnerable you just were, which one of my tenets is being vulnerable. Uh, you know, one of the six strengths that I speak to for showing courage is first you have to be willing to be vulnerable because you can't show courage without vulnerability. You know, you were just then very vulnerable to admit, you know, especially as a man, Tom, men don't do this very often is, you know, listen, I think I would crawl in a hole and I'd be scared to death. You know, most men and really most people think that we would intervene uh, because we want to believe that we would. Oh, I hope uh, I, I mean, I hope I would. But when I watch these scenarios, I sometimes I just don't know. Yeah, we don't. And, and that and the, the first um, the first real challenge is telling the truth. What we don't know that we would. And I think that is a real opportunity for everyone is to actually tell the truth. I don't know what I would do rather than thinking through and looking through life with rose-colored glasses and looking at ourselves, you know, giving ourselves too much credit that, oh, of course I would jump in. Of course I would. You know, we really don't know that we would. We really don't know that. So, I mean, you are a, a trainer and a speaker, and you go on to college campuses and into corporations and into associations yeah. and, teach, and teach this message to people. What's the response of your audiences when you talk about this? Well, uh, I did not realize that it would be this way when I first started speaking about eight years ago, and I've quickly um, become very clear that this is what it does for people, and I've, be, I've gotten somewhat used to it. You know, I, th I first started out thinking I would be one of these warm, touchy-feely, inspiring, standing ovation, oh my God, people just go out and make a difference, you know, <laughs> after they leave me. You know, they're going to love me and want their picture made with me. You know, that's my illusion that I had, right? And, uh, and that was my ego talking. But when I started doing this, I quickly realized how confronting this conversation is because <clears throat> I've designed it in a way <clears> – <throat> again, so sorry. I've designed it in a way that really challenges people to think 
And I really, I challenge people to look back on their life and what is their story, at least one story of when they didn't intervene and what impact did that have on them? Or when is a moment in their life when others didn't intervene for them and what impact did that have on them? And people are very confronted by this and more than I ever thought they would be. And, you know, when I challenge them to do the thinking that I do, because unless we make this real, it will stay conceptual. Um, Unless we map this onto our real life and we won't get any value out of it. It'll be something that happens to other people, but not us. So I really quickly realized that we have to make it real for us, whatever that looks like in our life. When is a real moment in our life where we were a bystander or when other people were bystanders to us? And, you know, what impact did that have and what, um, what effect did that have on our lives and how we think and what decisions we make in the future? And so people um, are very confronted by my message. Um, They're not, I mean, they're inspired, I think, to a certain level, but it takes some processing. Uh, As I always say, people don't necessarily like to look at me as they leave the room after they (laughs) see me speak because of what I've made them think of. It's just, um, and I had to quickly realize that I'm not one of those raw, raw, feel good about yourself um, speakers. Um, And I think some of the greatest speakers in our lives are the ones that make us think in a way that we don't think that we're going to think and make us see things that we don't necessarily like seeing, but we need to see and we need to talk about in our lives in order for any difference to be made. Because there's way too much abuse, way too much harassment, way too much violence, um, way too much discrimination, way too much drug and alcohol abuse, way too much sexual you know, harassment and discrimination and violence, way too much bullying, way too much hazing, going on out there for us to stay silent anymore. And the, the silent majority, or, or, or the, uh, the vocal minority, sorry, are getting away with it. And the silent majority are letting them. Well, so and, I'm really on a mission to twist that around. And you bring up an interesting point because you talked about how your business has taken, taken on very different iterations and how you yes. went into it thinking, I'm going to be speaker man and they're going to rush to take selfies with me. Yes. And instead, what you found is that you know, you, you make people answer some of the tough questions. And just now when you were talking about where are some times that you didn't step up? I mean, I was remembered of being in eighth grade when someone was being bullied. And, you know, I hung there with the bullies rather yeah, than sticking yeah, up for the absolutely. other guy who had been my friend for yes. years. And yes. when, when you said it, I kind of got this like inside feeling of, gosh, I'm not always been so great. And, and I've never really tried to allow myself to be in that position again because I remember it vividly. Yes. But at the same time, when you said that, instantly it came to my mind, which means for my listeners, I bet they had the same, the same feeling. They thought of a time when they picked on somebody or they let someone else pick on somebody and they didn't stand up for what was right. And so you, you learned through time that you make people think about that. But also you get that icky feeling about yourself inside. You're right. You don't want to rush the stage and go, yay, Mike. No, yeah, because what? I, yeah, and it's really tricky. It's really, really tricky walk for me. Um, and you know, as I design my keynotes and my, spe- you know, when, whenever I'm in front of any group, whether it be a small training group or a big keynote, is I really, you know, I don't want to just leave them in that space because that serves no purpose. That just makes them feel bad about themselves, and that does no, that has no value. We're really good about doing that anyway. We don't need help doing that. <laughs> so, um, but I think it's important for us to see that and the impact of it. But I need to take them to a more positive place. I need to give them the tools. I need to give them access to now, in, when this happens in the future, who are you now going to be? Use what happened in your life for something. 
when you're a bystander, like when you're a bystander in eighth grade to the person getting bullied, you can now use that to motivate yourself. Like, I'm never going to do that again. But I also need the tools. I need, I need access to getting inside of me and grabbing hold of my courage and taking it and running with it to, in order to do that in the future. So there's, there is that. We have to connect to this. But we also have to have access to going beyond what stops us, the fear and the shame and the regret and the guilt that we live with. We have to go past all of that um, to now doing something. So my new mantra really is, because I've really gotten in touch with what stops us and where we're, where we're really wanting to go to, and that is going past our fear and our shame in order to stand up, step in, and speak out for what's right. Well, and, and the underlying message here for entrepreneurs is that you really have to be honest with what your clientele needs and then adjust your product offering accordingly, right? I mean, that's kind of, kind of what you just yes, said. Yes, so we kind of spoke to that. But most importantly, I think what I want your listeners to hear is you have to speak to the audience's struggle. They, you have to relate to their struggle. You have to kind of highlight what are they struggling with. Now, I happen to speak to us about a struggle that they really don't necessarily wake up every morning knowing that they have. But so I have to speak in a way that will aliven that or uh, make them aware of that struggle. Like, oh, yeah, I do struggle with that. Now, some people wake up, whether it be, you know, money situations or health, you know, and fitness and and maybe their weight. You know, people do wake up knowing what they're struggling with. Now, this isn't necessarily one that they do wake up with. So I have a particular challenge. But some speakers, you know, will speak to uh, different struggles that people have in life that they don't have to do as much work to make them aware of it because they wake up every morning aware of it. So it, d- it depends on what your message is and what, what, it, what struggle you're addressing. You know, for you, you're struggling with people going and, and being able to network at, at, you know, at least one of your messages is. Um, you know, what are the struggles attached to that? Now, they may, they may not wake up going, God, I suck at networking. But when they find themselves in that, you know, going to a conference or a meeting or whatever that might be, they are really in the moment very aware. I, I suck at this and I'm very uncomfortable and I hate it. Well, and, and, and that's, ex- that's exactly true. When, I, when I'm at an event and I do this conference catalyst program and I sort of get people to admit that it's hard, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it's hard to go up and start a conversation. All I really do is I give them permission to do what they came to the event for. People come up all the time and go, I've met more people the last two days than I've ever met at any conference I've gone to. And all you did was give me permission to say hello. So really, I mean, with my message, with your message, with most speakers, if we're really doing our jobs, we're really getting people in touch with what they know, you know, at some basic level they should be doing. It's really funny and uh, not so coincidental that you just said what you said, because one of my other mantras in my program is I give people permission to go from passive to powerful. Wow, that's good. I love that. Say that again. I give people permission to go from being passive to being powerful. So, Mike, I want to change gears here and talk a little bit about some, you know, some stuff that you've been going through with your business and your life. But before I do, I want to get thanking the sponsor out of the way, because I think what we're going to talk about next is going to be really important to all the entrepreneurs. Not not that what you talk about in general isn't, but I think it's going to be a really important message. And so I want to get the sponsor thanked so that we can dive deep. So thank you, as always, to the sponsor of this episode, who is Podfly Productions. 
Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Now, Podfly, they do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing powerful and interesting people like Mike Dilbeck. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, check out the offer they have at podfly.net slash cool things. And once again, I appreciate the support that they've given me in the past 160 episodes. Thanks, Podfly. So, Mike, one of the reasons I invited you back to the show today is I think that I think that you have something going on that entrepreneurs need to think about and often don't, because I believe so often entrepreneurs think we're out there changing the world, we're having an impact, we're 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 forging our own path through the through the jungle. And yet we think we're invincible. We don't think that we could get blindsided by anything that would come along, be it financial, be it health, be it competition, what, whatever it is that blindsides us. And I love the fact that when I asked if you would come on the show and talk about this, you were like, yep, I got nothing to hide. And I think it's an important message. So you're a solopreneur. You work by yourself for yourself. Your income is totally connected to you being able to be doing speaking and training and consulting and, you know, you go through life and, and you're, you're fighting the good battle. And all of a sudden you had something happen in the last few months. Why don't you share with the audience what happened? Yeah. Not only am I a solopreneur, I'm also single. So I'm really like in every stretch of the imagination, a solopreneur as a single person, I'm not married. Uh, so I'm, you know, I live by myself, office by myself. Uh, it's up to me to do everything. So, um, yeah, back in the first of January, um, now I won't tell the whole story, but last July I noticed a spot on my back. And uh, I did not have, what well, I think this is important for entrepreneurs to know is that when I moved, last year I moved from uh, Illinois, Chicago uh, area, to back to Texas to be closer to my mom. Well, I won't give all the details, but a long story short, you know, I, through that process, through that transfer of, uh, across states, I lost my health insurance with Blue Cross Blue Shield. And it became my story against theirs, and I lost. So I knew that I would not have insurance for the rest of the year, which was, you know, one of those cross your fingers, hope nothing happens um, type scenarios. And, um, if anything does happen, I hope it's nothing major and I'll have to pay out of pocket. So I noticed a spot on my back last summer. Um, just kind of kept paying attention to it. Cause I noticed that it kept getting a little bit larger and larger. Uh, I went to a doctor friend of mine in Chicago when I was there for a week. Um, I went for something else. I paid out of pocket and I asked, him, I said, could you just go ahead and look at this spot on my back? And he literally said, Oh, don't worry about it. It's not cancer and it never will be. So it gave me a peace of mind not to do anything about it until I had insurance in January. Now, I'm, re- I'm telling you this detail because entrepreneurs go in and out of insurance sometimes, and we deal with this whole thing called health care and Ugh. having health insurance and paying for it ourselves. I got to jump in. It is one of the hardest parts about going from having a career where you're yes. on corporate insurance to working for yourself. I've been a solopreneur for seven years, and not only one of the biggest hassles, but one of the biggest expenses, because I'm a solopreneur, but I'm married with two kids, and I am the sole breadwinner or the primary breadwinner, yeah. and I'm the one who has to provide health insurance. I will tell you, it's grossly expensive. Expensive on top of everything to insure a yeah. family. And, you know, we went through this whole Affordable Care Act. My insurance has almost doubled since the last seven years as far as covering my family. And we had an incident where my daughter had a really bad, like, stick a needle in your ear feel uh, ear infection. It was so bad she was screaming about it. And she's 13 years old. We decided we had to go to the emergency room, even though we had a large copay. 
And we went and sure enough, the doctor said, wow, that's one of the worst ear infections I've seen. So we did the right thing by going. And then our insurance came back and said, no, the $500 copay doesn't come until you've met your deductible. What? Who's ever heard of such a thing? And we can spend a whole section on, on healthcare. It, it was a three thousand dollar ear infection. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're here to talk about that, but that could be a whole podcast just about podcast. <laughs> so, podcast, so go uh, healthcare. So go on. So anyway, um, so yeah, now that's you know, yes, the cost of healthcare is bad um, for some of us, not everybody, but for some, and uh, there is that issue. But I didn't have anything. So, um, but him saying what he did gave me a peace of mind that I could wait until January when I got healthcare again. We'll come around January. I got insurance. Uh, yes, it's out of, crazy expensive, and I, I finally went with a PPO this time. Um, I spent more to get a PPO so I could have my choice. Anyway, I went to a doctor immediately. Very long story short, I will leave out all the details, but the long story is that throughout this whole process, this whole spot on my back that was now cancer and it never would be has now been diagnosed as stage 3 malignant melanoma. And I've, you know, put it bluntly, I've had cancer now. Uh, and known that I've had cancer since the first part of January. Um, I've had one surgery. Uh, they took you know, what they thought was all localized in my back area around the tumor. They uh, did a major surgery on the back, got out, you know, went way down, got all the tissue out that they thought was uh, infected. And they also did a lymph node removal from my left armpit um, just to test the lymph nodes, still thinking that I was okay. I just got word two weeks ago that it has spread to the lymph nodes, um, and I'm now, I've moved from stage 3B to stage 3C, which is one step away from stage 4, which is the highest stage of cancer you can have. And um, I'm dealing with having another surgery a week from today to take out all the lymph nodes uh, of my left armpit. And um, uh, then I'll start a year's worth of immunotherapy treatments um, to hopefully build my body up to fight the cancer if it happens to be anywhere else in my body. So that, that is what's happened. Now, the thing that it's also created is this whole entrepreneur, solopreneur, single person scenario. And, you know, um, I've always heard, I mean, probably for the last eight years that I've been a speaker and solopreneur, I've always heard the recommendation that many of us here, oh, have three, you know, three months worth of savings, have six months worth of savings, you know, for these, you know, uh, for the rainy day or the crisis that you don't anticipate and, you know, whether it's not getting business or what have you. You know, and that's, I've always thought that was a great idea. I, I respected the idea. But, you know, when you're living month to month, speech to speech, paycheck to paycheck, you know, that's, it's, it's more difficult in reality to put that savings back. And um, you're also, you know, having to put back for your retirement and this and that. You know, it's like, okay, where does this fall in the priority scale um, of just having three to six months in savings that you can rely on when you need it? So the, re- the, the reality is I had none of that. I mean, literally had none of that. No savings, nothing to rely on. And um, so I found myself, you know, as a speaker, but most, I, I predominantly am a college speaker. So there's certain months of the year that are very dry. Um, November, December, and January are probably three of the toughest months because of the holiday season. And pe- the students get out for finals. So they're not, no school is hiring you and they don't come back till the middle to end of January. And they wait for a while until they start hiring anyway, probably in the month of February. So it's a very dry period that I happened to find out that I had cancer. Now, put on top of this, the fact that I now have surgery to go through. I have all these expenses, PET scan, CT scan, you know, not cheap expenses 
and I have a $5,000 deductible on my new health care, and I have $6,000 maximum out of pocket. So um, that is an all of a sudden, you know, that has to be covered first before insurance gets kicked in. And I don't have the money. I mean, I just simply don't have the money. And was confronted by what to do, how do I handle this, I have to have this health care done, I have to have this surgery, it's growing in my back, um, if I don't get it taken care of, it's a possibility it could grow, you know, spread into organs, and then that's really bad, and so anyway, it's just the, the things that we don't anticipate that we have to confront, that all of a sudden I had no choice than to confront it, and, uh, you know, I just had to put all ego, all shame, all pride aside, and Tom, you were a great catalyst for getting me to do this. Um, you know, I just, you know, especially as men, I say that we do this a lot because we think that being vulnerable is a sign of weakness because we've been taught our entire life to be strong. Uh, don't let them see you sweat. You know, we've heard that. But, you know, I just, I'm letting people see my struggle. Uh, you know, and I, because I'm speaking to people all the time about their struggle, but here, you know, thinking I need to be strong. But here's an opportunity for me to really live one of the tenets of my work, and that's being vulnerable. And I've allowed myself to be vulnerable. I've allowed myself to tell my struggle. I've allowed myself to be contributed to. I've allowed myself to really get how much I'm loved. I really call it the blessing of cancer because I've allowed, my, I've allowed people in my life to contribute to me. A good friend of mine who's a 10-year cancer survivor uh, set up a, a crowdsourcing type campaign that has to this day raised over $15,000 um, of uns- unrestricted funds. The majority of that goes to health expenses, but the reality is some of it goes to putting food on the table. Uh, some of it goes to paying my rent. Sure. Well, I need, I, need a, I need a roof over my head to survive this thing. And you're not going to be able to necessarily work as much. And right. obvi- obviously, as a solopreneur, one of the things we talk about on the show all the time is you're really a salesman first. But my yep. guess is, is that when you're confronting stage three or stage four melanoma and all the surgeries and everything that goes with it, I imagine at some point getting on the phone and trying to solicit business is not a high priority. Time to be really straight with you. I haven't done it. Right. I just haven't done it. Sure. Uh, uh, I just haven't done hardly any work. Um, I've been callous. I've been kind of somewhat numb to the business I still have to run. I've been dealing with surgeries. I've been dealing with going to doctor's appointments. I've been dealing with the pain that I still have in my back from the first incision, from the first surgery. You know, I've been dealing with just getting by day by day that what I haven't been doing is running my business. So I haven't been writing blog posts. I, ha- you know, I haven't been traveling. I haven't been speaking. Uh, I, did go, I did have two gigs that I went on, um, and I, they, were, I, they were four days apart, so I stayed in New York City between them, and they were a week and a half after my first surgery. And because my immune system was compromised so much, which happens when you do a major surgery, I was very susceptible to germs. And you know, whether it be through flying or being in the city of New York, I got sick. Uh, I got a head cold and um, it was really worse than I ever usually get. Uh, I was in bed most of the time. Uh, a friend came to see me. I got him sick because he's always with me and you know, around my germs. And it's lasted about two or three weeks because of my immune system being so compromised. So that's on top of everything else that you deal with. Um, and so it's been a struggle and it sucks. So, so let's back up to when you first got the diagnosis, when you first went to the doctor in January. I mean, you talked about the fact that, you know, now you're, you're being open about it and you're being vulnerable and you're letting people help. What was the initial response? Oh, um, shock. 
um, absolute shock, um, sadness, um, regret, uh, being pissed off at the doctor that told me that it wasn't cancer and never would be. Um, cause the truth is, had he told me, listen, you need to get this looked at last October, I would have taken it out of my pocket and gone to a dermatologist. Um, oh, I was going to mention this before too, you know, relief uh, that was right there because thank God I finally had insurance and thank God with the new, um, Obamacare, there's no opportunity for preexisting conditions. So whatever it was that, you know, this cancer that I brought with me into the month of January because of the new healthcare laws has to be covered. Yeah, they couldn't wait. They couldn't give, put you on nope. a waiting period. Sure. Nope, nope. And uh, so that was a blessing. You know, whatever it is I have to pay now, I'm willing to pay because um, it has to be covered. And it is being covered. But that would not have happened before the new health care law. So, um, and I'm not here to, you know, be a proponent or whatever, even though I am a proponent of it. Uh, and I hate that, you know, for some people, uh, the cost has increased. But that right there was worth it to me not to have to have pre-existing conditions as a sure. concern. Sure. So, uh, so you're pissed off. You're scared. Did you did you shut down? How did you? I mean, when it came to dealing with your business, when it came to dealing with other people, what was the initial the initial reaction outwardly that you had? You know, um, I think it was what I still have felt up until recently, and that is just uh, no matter what, be strong, and no matter what, let other people know you're strong and you're okay. Almost, you know, really to a fault because I really didn't, I, I was really slow in letting people know that I was scared. I was slow letting people know that um, I was struggling um, and I just acted like everything was fine. I was, you know, Mr. Strong, you know, Mr. Strength, you know, comes, shows up and um, I think I said this to you before we started taping, but you know, I, I even have, I've had a bad week, you know, going to oncologist and being elevated in my stage uh, diagnosis and the reality of that I had to have another surgery and just all this crap. But, um, and then I have home health care to deal with my incision. So, uh, Saturday was not a good day and I was over at a friend of mine's house just bitching and moaning and complaining about it. Just, I was pissed off. And then I made a comment. I'm like, ah, here I go, you know, bitch, I should stay strong. And my friend Emily said something that just really impacted me. She says, Mike, all of us who love you want you to stay strong, but we don't expect you to always be positive. This is a real thing you're going through, and you're going to have bad days. And we're here to hear your bitching and your moaning and your complaining, and we know all that. It doesn't say you're not being strong. You're just being authentic. And I really, it freed me up that day, and I really think it's important for all your listeners to know that the opportunity and really the power in giving ourselves our permission to not always have to be positive. Now, I'm not saying be strong. We want to fight this thing. Whatever it is, whatever challenge that you have confront you, we want to have the strength to fight it and fight what we're fighting for uh, to be able to continue to do what we do that we love to do. But at the same time, it's not easy, and there's a lot of fears that come up. And the more authentic you can be, the more you'll allow others to contribute to you and help you get through it. You know, I do, and I'm, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but, you know, I, while having cancer is a struggle and it sucks every single day and it's getting worse and worse every day, but I'm, there's a blessing of having this, that I'm now, I've now been, I say it this way, I don't know if it's the right way to say it, but I've been slapped in the face with how much people love me. And, <laughs> uh, and, and I say slapped in the face because I can't ignore it. When somebody slaps you in the face, you can't ignore it, right? 
And um, <laughs> no, I, I don't think you can ignore that. No, I think no, it's. I was just. That. I was just thinking. Yeah, you can't ignore a slap in the face. Yeah, that's really Canadian. And at fifty-one years old, as a single, especially a single gay man, I've done really well at ignoring people's love for me. One reason I am single. And if you don't let love in, you can't love back. And um, this really, you know, in a very weird, ironic way, the blessing that I've been able to experience from having cancer is that I no longer deflect love. And um, I've just, I'm letting it in. I'm letting it all in. And the hundreds and hundreds of people that have come to my side and supported me, whether it be financial or I've had people bring me meals after surgery. I've had people call me and text me and send me Facebook messages. And just, I've been, I've been just consumed by love. So, um, so when I, I when I first talked to you, when you first got the diagnosis, you weren't, you weren't hiding it, but you hadn't really gone public and, and told no. people. And no. yet you weren't at that place where you were willing to accept love or help. I mean, you were still caught up maybe in, would it be pride? What was, what was that? Yeah. And you know, there's been a, um, a concern and I'm really, I'm speaking to the entrepreneurs that you have listening to this is because they may be able to relate, um, or they, this may be a consideration they don't anticipate they would have, but they might. I was concerned about potential customers thinking if I went too public. So I'm now speaking to if I go too public with this, and you know, there's always the do I need to? What's the value in that? Is this my business that nobody else needs to know about? Um, and if I do, is there a concern? I'm going to use the word fear because I know I really identified that I had a fear that it would hurt my business. I had a fear that people wouldn't hire me if they thought I was dying of cancer. And they didn't want to hire me, sign a contract, and then me have to pull out or cancel the, the arrangement because of health reasons. And I still, you know, I really confront that fear. And, but I've really, I had a friend, Tracy, the one that set up the crowdsourcing account for me that I discussed this with the other day. And she goes, Mike, there was a point in my own diagnosis that I just finally had to say, I'm no longer going to live in fear. How things are going to work or how things are going to work out. And, you know, if people need to make their own decisions. And if they don't hire me for that reason, I can't stop that. And uh, all I can be is authentic and be me and tell the truth. And people will make whatever decisions they make out of that. But I know when I go to bed each night and wake up each morning that I've been my authentic, true self. And I re- that was really another freeing opportunity for me just to not live by fear. Fear can be so suppressive, it can be so debilitating, it can cause a level of stress that actually helps you not take care of your health. It can actually, um, it can help you be more unhealthy. You know, stress is a very strong um, health deterrent. So I found that I was being stressed out over how much do I go public with this? But then I just freed myself up and like you mentioned, I was a little, I was holding back a little bit, but then... I finally just let it go and I put it on Facebook. You know, that was my own personal decision. Not that anybody needs to do that. But, you know, it was the level of, that's where the level of love just started just being a fire hydrant to my face. Like, just consuming me. To the point, you know, I got, uh, like, I know this sounds weird to talk in Facebook terms, but it, it speaks to something. Like, I got 850 likes and I got over 250 comments of support. I mean, you just can't ignore that. And... You know, I was just consumed by it. And then the next time when I went public uh, about my friend sitting up my um, crowdsourcing page, you know, I got support. And in this case, financial support from people, some people I didn't know, 
They were friends of friends. Some people came out and gave in, in ways that I never would have anticipated that they would uh, support me in this. Never would have expected it. And it was just ridiculous amounts, and, which are nice, but also $5 is nice. So, and people would give 5 or $10 that I'm like, I don't even, we haven't talked in years, but you want to support me. And so that made that available. Had I stayed to myself, had I let fear win, had I let fear keep me in this cocoon, I wouldn't have been able to reach out and let people contribute to me. It's so funny. I always say to my mother, you know, she's the world's worst in not letting people contribute to her. Uh, she thinks she got, you know, I, I know there's no accident that I'm like my mother because we, most of us are, or we're like <laughs> our fathers, but she's the same way as me. She doesn't show weakness. She doesn't like people. She doesn't like me to see her cry because she thinks she needs to stay strong for me. And, um, so I find myself, even though I talk to her about her doing that, I find myself doing the same darn thing. So, um, but what it really, what I tell her and what I've really had to tell myself is, if, you're, if you keep to yourself, not that you have to not keep to yourself. I mean, I'm not telling you what you should do. But if I would have kept to myself, I would not allow people the opportunity to contribute to me. And people just want to contribute. They want to contribute something, their love, their support, their financial resources, their, you know, their volunteer resources, whether it's coming over and just sitting with you after surgery. They want to do something. And unless you open up to them and say, I'm struggling with this or I need this, they don't know. I mean, how many times people say, just let me know what you need? I'm like, I don't know what I need. <laughs> you know? So, and it came to the point where I could only handle so many meals and so many cookie deliveries until I get 300 pounds. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and my friend's like, I think you need to start a crowdsourcing. And so I did. And that's what it's allowed me to, and I want to say this too. I know I'm talking a lot, but to not have to focus on paying the next medical bill or paying my rent next month has freed me up to focus on my health. And focus on what needs to be done to get better. But when I was focusing on how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to pay for rent? How am I going to pay for the next medical bill? You know, when they called me and said, we need $800 down payment for your surgery before Monday or you're, we're not going forward. And that was on a Friday. You know, that was stress. And I, it, all, it then became about focusing on my finances versus focusing on getting better. So um, I just want to speak to the real struggle of this. And, I, you know... I'm not giving any solutions. I'm, I'm uncovering the problem, but, you know, and the solution is have, you know, three to six months savings, which, again, I heard that for many, many years and didn't do it. Um, and this is the impact of not having done that. Well, I think, I think your story is so important because I think it's there, but for the grace of God goes any one of us. Any one of us could tomorrow have an accident or a diagnosis or something that comes along. And if we are truly, you know, an entrepreneur, especially if we're a solopreneur and you add that extra layer of being single onto that, you know, it's, I can see where it could be overwhelming. And when you were talking about not being able to focus on your health, you know, because you're so worried about how am I going to pay the down payment so they can even do the surgery that I so desperately need. And then the truth is, is that, as you said, you can't, when you're dealing with both of those things, you cannot deal with your business. And when your business is just you, you don't have employees, you don't have anybody else. Right. It becomes a perfect storm, which really can be a lot to handle all by yourself. And so it almost sounds like you were surprised. I don't know if that's the right word at the outpouring of people who wanted to help. I don't even think surprised captures it. Uh, blown away, uh, overwhelmed. Um, sorry, sorry. Um, all of that um, was 
was there. I just totally didn't, you know, we all have our own stories about ourselves and our own perceptions. And um, I was just blown away by it, about how much I'm loved, you know. And I just moved here a year ago from Chicago to Fort Worth, Texas, and had this story that I didn't know anybody really. I didn't have a lot of friends. And, well, that's just been put to rest. I mean, I'm just, you know, <laughs> that was all a bunch of BS. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm surrounded by friends here every single day. I mean, my house was full of flowers after my surgery from local Fort Worth people, mainly. And, you know, I was being brought meals every day from local friends here in Fort Worth. So it's also very valuable for us all to get how much crap we make up about ourselves and about our lives. It's not true. And that could be a whole other podcast. But, um, you know, all this stuff that I told myself just simply wasn't true. I am surrounded by love. I'm surrounded by people who love me and who want to contribute to me. And they want to make sure I get better so I can continue to do what I do. You know, how many times I've been told by friends, we want you to get better so you can continue to be out there fighting the fight and making the difference that you make. And that really goes for any of us who have a mission, who have a message, and who are out, you know, on this, you know, movement that we're creating or revolution that we're causing or what have you. You know, there's people that believe us in enough. They're like, listen, you can't go out there and make the difference unless you're healthy. And we want to do whatever we can to make sure you get healthy. And I think a lot of, you know, especially solopreneurs, we buy into this Lone Ranger kind of fantasy that exists in our culture. And I think even without something as serious as what you're facing, I think the message here is we have to be willing to turn to the people around us and, 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 and accept that help, accept that love, accept that support, right? Yeah, and it doesn't have to be health. I mean, we have a mutual friend, you and I, you know, Meg, who had her house burned down. You know, that's a real life scenario. You know, it wasn't about cancer. It wasn't about any health issues. It was like her entire house burned to the ground. That's a real, you know, that's something we none of us think will happen to us. <laughs> but that will certainly, that'll certainly put a break in your business. Yeah. And well, and, and another friend of ours had his laptop stolen out of the back oh, exactly. of a rental car. And and the truth is with that is that you don't think about it. But when you're a one man show, your laptop right. is everything. And everything. he didn't have it backed up. No. Nope. Oh, I know. So I, I just kept I, I, as soon as I saw that, I went and made sure that my backup service was paid in full yeah, and that things okay. were working. We all learned from that one. So, you know, I, I wanted you to come on and share this story because not because it's like, oh, you know, it's it's so horrendous or it's it's a woe is woe is you. But I think this is something that people don't prepare for. And, and you've nope, you've talked don't. you've talked about the, you know, have six month money saved or a year's money saved. But how else do you think now that you're on the other side of this shocker? How what else besides money do you think that entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, really anyone in business needs to be doing to prepare for whatever that, that, that shock is? Well, um, here's what I, you know, and this is another, not regret, but like, oh, had I done more with that? I think we need to scale ourselves better. Um, I think we need to look at diversifying our business. Now, I'm speaking, I'm, uh, speaking along the assumption that uh, who is listening here are speakers, and I know that's not the case, but let me speak to the speaking world. I see that um, most, if not all, of my income is based on me being able to get on a plane and fly somewhere and give a keynote speech. And that is 90 to 95% of my income. What I now see is that's an opportunity now and going forward in the future is creating income opportunities that don't depend on me having to do that. You know, that are self-sustaining. You know, now it takes, up, it takes work up front, 
but you know, I'm, as you know, Tom, I'm a big follower of Brendan Bouchard, but uh, you know, doing the work that he trains people to do, and that's create products that are on, available online that people can buy and be trained by and use, whether it's an online e-learning program or you know, they buy C- DVDs or a book that you wrote or whatever it is that you offer things online as an entrepreneur that people can buy at any time. And if you find yourself in a hardship, if you find yourself being diagnosed with a disease like me or your house burned down or whatever it is that slows you down personally, that part of your business continues to thrive. And people, know, your customers don't even know it really, that they're still able to go on and buy your product, get the benefit of your product, be trained by you in a virtual kind of way, and you don't have to be able to, you know, you don't have to get on a plane and fly somewhere and be able to be in person. You know, so I think that's one thing that we can all do as entrepreneurs is, what can I create that doesn't depend on me having to be there? So, Mike, I think that is great advice, and I don't think that just speaks to speakers. I think that speaks to anybody who is in business, is you've got to be looking at, you know, how do you diversify your, your streams of income? So that that's smart. So is there any last thing you'd like to share with the audience to, to sort of, you know, make your story valuable to them? Well, yes. Just to underline something that I've already uh, spoken to that's kind of a theme is the power of vulnerability and the power of letting yourself um, be open and authentic, uh, whether it be to your audience, whether it be to your friends, your family members, those in your life. Um, you know, I can't, I, I got very clear that I have, I speak about vulnerability and I'm chapter advisor to fraternity at a, at a university and I speak to them about that, that I can't speak about that and not be that myself in my life, especially as a man. It's a real struggle. So just the power of vulnerability and it's not, doesn't show weakness. It actually shows strength. Uh, in who we are and what we need and how people can contribute to us. And so I think that's what I want your entrepreneurs left with is, you know, because especially as entrepreneurs, we try to act like we have it all together and our egos take over and our pride and our, you know, um, our vanity. But, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt just to say, listen, I'm scared. I need help. And this is how you can help me. I think that's an important message. Hey, Mike Dilbeck, thanks for coming back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And thank you so much for being so open and sharing what you're going through. I think that there's probably somebody out there who will hear this message who either will take the steps to prepare or maybe they'll see that spot on their back and they'll go get it checked out. Yeah. I just think that I think that your story helps so many. And I appreciate the fact that you're, you're open and honest about it. Yeah, here's another lesson. Stay out of tanning beds. (laughs) There there you go. So again, I want to thank Mike for coming and sharing the story because the more I thought about it, the more I thought this is real. This is a real message for those of us who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs. So again, thanks for being here. And thanks for all of you who tuned in and listened because I'll tell you, this show is a community. And if you want to get more involved with the community, go on over to the Facebook page that we have or follow us on Twitter or heck, join the Cool Things Project. I'm going to be back in a couple of days with somebody just as cool as Mike Dilbeck. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. Tom Singer. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.